Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. And hopefully the sound of my voice has everything going well for you in your life and in your operation. And I, I was able to uh, get my cover crop down just the other day, triticale. I did pure, uh, I mean pure, 100% of, I guess the proper term would be neat, right? Uh, neat triticale. So nothing else but but triticale. I'm going to move my chair here, so okay, probably hear some noise. So I was able to spin that down, but not without some drama, <laughs> as, as usual here. I My Ranger is a 2002, so it's going to be 21 years old this December. I think I got it December 20th or 21st of 2001 i ordered it and uh in october of right after the 9-11 attacks i ordered it and it was special order it was special order because it was a strippo the only options it has is the uh, ford factory bed liner and the sliding rear window no air conditioning no anything it's the xl the six foot bed xl and it's uh four-cylinder five-speed crank windows whatever was whatever was standard on it came like i said those are the only two options and it's harvest gold which is a real pretty color which i like and my wife actually bought that for me as a birthday slash christmas present and uh ninety two hundred dollars with the rebates and everything brand new imagine that had no sales tax because it's farm in new jersey if you have farmer license plates there's no sales tax on the vehicle because it's used for production of agricultural goods so that is a benefit i don't know if other states do that but that is a benefit here in new jersey so it was 90 i i think it was 9200 give or take a couple of dollars either either a couple of dollars shy of 9200 or, or 9220 or something like that imagine that it's probably it's probably worth more than half of that today but anyway it's been a fantastic truck i've had zero zero issues with it other other than deer keep running into it i it's i've told you the story before that that thing was wrecked three times sadly within the uh, it was wrecked twice within the first six months so uh anyway but thank god i've had a hiatus with that now in the past 18 and 19 years where nothing has hit it but uh the only issues i that that truck now it doesn't have a ton of miles on it has about 150 160 thousand miles so i really don't use it that much i used it in the beginning and charlotte and i took it uh we took it out to nebraska and wyoming back in 2010 it was great i loved it and uh, i had taken to michigan a couple of times for business and uh let me see what else maybe some uh i think to ohio a couple of times but for the most part i really haven't used it that much and as time went on for no particular reason i ended up using my car more which is since 2013 is my fiesta and uh but so it, it i probably i put only a few thousand miles a year on it now so i take it down to maryland to get my fertilizer which is a good run because i have to go back and forth three times so that's 1500 miles and uh and whatever so uh that's uh, that's really what the deal is with it and for no particular reason have i not have i not used it more was that i keep everything in my car so i have my sunglasses my driving glasses my uh, my road atlas my um, stuff for business i have a little travel kit in the trunk so i have a toothbrush in there i have mouthwash i have well, i have alcohol and um I don't have hand sanitizer because of COVID. I have alcohol in there. And so, you know, when you set a vehicle up to travel for business, and then if you put your camera in there, then, you know, one of the things is that you want to be able to turn the key and go. So it's the same thing with you on the farm. You say, oh, no, I got to take that truck because I got what I need for the plant, right? What I got need for this. I got need, so need for the tractor. I got the jumper cables in there. So because the Ranger is a standard cab, there's not a lot of room in it. There's some room behind the seat, but there's not a lot of room. And it makes it awkward to travel, uh, but you have to put everything in the seat. So now with the podcast and the radio show, if I happen to go someplace, then I have no... I can, I can put my podcasting equipment on the, on, the, on the passenger seat because I go by myself. I mean, it's got a split bench seat. But like I say, it's, it's, it just works out that when you have one car it's like a it's like a go bag i just know i get in there turn the key and i have to go to ohio i go i have to go down to south jersey i go so so that's why i haven't used it much 
But anyway, and I've had zero issues. Everything is, I mean, I put, it's got the original brakes in it, the original, original shocks, original headlights, wiper blades I've gone through quite a bit. The right-hand wiper blade always seems to, with the arc of the windshield, seems to deteriorate before the left-hand side. The left-hand side never deteriorates. And uh, a couple of brake light bulbs, and I have to put dash bulbs in that because I have two or three dash bulbs out, which I hate. But with all that plastic, if I don't have it, I have to do that when the weather conditions are correct. I'm not doing that in the winter because the plastic is going to crack. It's going to be cold, so I have to do that now before it gets cold. And then I put lower ball joints. I have to put tires on it twice. Uh, lower ball joints in it only because the rubber boots rotted out, the cups rotted out. So I put lower ball joints in it, and they were creaking. So I said, that's not, you know, that's not good. A ball joint talks to you before it breaks. Not that it was going to break at that particular point, because when you lifted up the wheel, it really had no flop. And, but, you know, you're pushing your luck. And then the past, uh, well, make a long story short, why I'm saying this has to, has to do with my cover crop. Well, I had some inconsistencies with the clutch switch, the clutch safety switch. And I... Uh, and I'm blind as a bat. Like I'm nearsighted in one eye and farsighted in the other. And over over the years, it's gotten worse. So it's very. So I'm like a cyclops. I look with one eye at all times. So if I'm doing something, I'll squint and I'll close my right eye. And then so I could I use one eye for up close, one eye for distance, and then uh, if at some place in between, then I'm really out of luck. If like an autofocus camera is going that you know I can't really I can't focus on it. So I stuck my head under the dashboard, and that is not my forte anymore under the dashboard work, simply because I can't see half the time. If, I'm, if I need to look at my left eye, <laughs> and the way you're laying and looking at your right eye, that it's, uh, it doesn't work out too well. You must, you're, you're working blind. So I had seen a, a, a short while back, it said, geez, why is this switch loose on the clutch, on the clutch linkage? Well, I, it's not really a linkage, it's a push rod. So I pushed it back up, it stayed there, and, and the truck has been fine. So anyway, and then inconsistently would have a little problem, didn't want to crank, and then I would uh, move that clutch switch and put it back in place. And I said, this is not right, but, you know, and I'm just as guilty as everyone else kicking the can down the road, right? Because when you have too many responsibilities and too many things and life happens, is that you just say, okay, well, I don't really need this. This is important, but it's not important today and then I'll do it tomorrow, and like my mother used to say to my father, and tomorrow never comes, Ray, right? And my dad's name was Ray. So I, it's been starting to act up, and I said to myself, I really got to look at this, but I was, you know, trying to harvest whatever. I mean, I'm making excuses. I'm not I'm not making excuses. It would be like uh, guilty with an explanation, like as a young man, I used to say in traffic court when I got a speeding ticket, guilty. Yes, I'm guilty, Your Honor, but with an explanation of why I was going fast. So I, I go to get my cover, I go to, I ordered my cover crop seed about a month or so ago when it came in, and uh, so I asked him, I deal with John Lima over at Lima Farms in Hillsboro, New Jersey. He's got a beautiful operation there. I I, I want to get him on my On the Road podcast and for two years now, and um, he wants to do it, but then he kind of like, it's like, it's like trying to befriend a, a, a puppy or a kitten that doesn't know you astray and you know they you could see it they want to come to you and then you put your hand out and they go they they run away and go backwards and you put so it takes a while so that's how john has been and i don't even i think he may listen to the show so so if you hear that you know you say oh yeah he wants to do it and then then, then he doesn't want to do it whatever so and with that show, like anything, it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, I'm not going to jam it down somebody's throat. But I think that John has a great story to share with my audience because he's a first-generation farmer later on in life, and he was at, he he is also has another business. He's a dam builder and the earthen dam builder, and he's in the dam business. Which I mean, how often do you meet somebody in the dam business? And he became a very accomplished farmer. And I guess he became a very accomplished farmer because of his intelligence, but also because he didn't have any bad habits, right? Nobody told him that's how we, oh, that's how we always do it, right or wrong. So, uh, so he never had uh, uh, two friends of mine, the Wise Brothers. I, we, I did an on the road podcast with them also about a year or two ago, and they have an engine shop in um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Great machinists, great engine guys, very knowledgeable, and uh, just uh, just good, good all around guys. 
than they used to do all the hot honing for, for Grumpy Jenkins before he died. But anyway, Bob, the older brother, is a little bit older than Craig, was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he grew up in, in the house. They never had any guns, so he knew nothing about guns. So when, they, when he went into the Marine Corps, that they, they made him an instructor, right? Because they said, this guy is great. He has the ability, but he has no bad habits. So because it's not like he's been shooting guns for, for 20 years, and this is how Pop taught me how to shoot a gun. So he had no bad habits, so he was actually was an uh, a instructor. I forgot on which, in, which uh, instrument, which, which gun. But so that's how John Lehm is. He's got no bad habits, so he became very successful. He has a gorgeous farm. It's about six hundred acres or so, and uh, just a gorgeous operation. So anyway, back to back, back to my fiasco is that uh, I go to I I got everything ready. I broadcast on my cover crop. Got the spinner on the back of the tractor and got everything lubricated. Everything is working beautiful. So I said to Charlotte, "I'm going to go tomorrow morning and get the cover crop because it's it's not that far from the farm." It's probably just about 60 miles, but it's a, it's 60 New Jersey secondary road miles. And it's, uh, so it takes you an hour and a half to get there. So I go to start the range of dead, won't crank. So I said, oh gosh. So, I mean, and it's my own fault because I've been kicking this down the, kicking this down the road. And uh, so I, I roll it, roll it, roll it out of the garage so I could get underneath there. And I finagle, moved the switch around on the, and like I said, I don't understand why it must have broke or dried out or something, why it's, because I really can't see too well under there. And I, uh, and I, it doesn't want to crank, doesn't want to crank. So I said, geez, I can't even pop start it because I'm here by myself. If I could pop start it with the, which not that Charlotte be able to pop start it or drive the tractor. So even if she were here, for <laughs> intents and purposes, I'm by myself. So I said a prayer, and I always say that to you guys, because as a Christian, I I want to share with you as a witness the fact that I said a prayer and I asked the Lord, and it's my fault because I I basically have neglected this, which is not the my thing to do with machinery or with anything, but I did neglect it because I was I'm performing triage like many of you do. It's, it's triage like in a car accident, right? Or an emergency room. You got to do what's most... This guy's got a broken leg and the other guy has a heart attack. You have to take care of the guy with the heart attack first, not the broken leg, even though he was there soon before. So I said to the Lord, so I said, Lord, I know that I've been neglectful of this and I really should have should have done... I really should have taken care of this, but but God knows what opportunities you have in your life and what don't op- and what and you don't have to go through a laundry list. He knows what your, the way your life is going to go before it even happens. So we, we knew from a, a, a thousand years ago what would happen to me today. So I asked him, I said, Lord, please let it start so I could get this triticale and get it spun on the field and hopefully we get some rain in the next couple of days and just close off this disastrous harvest. And so I said a prayer. I put the key in. I pressed the clutch down, and lo and behold, vroom, the ranger fired right up. So I thank God for that. And obviously, I did not shut it off until I got back to the farm. So went and got the triticale, came back to the farm, 800 pounds, and uh, spin, spread it off on the two fields, and that was all good. So I said, the, and Charlotte was home, so I said, okay, I got to... said, the truck is dead in the driveway where it is. I don't know if I'll be able to get it in the garage, but it's not blocking anything, so... No big deal. We have a three-car garage, so the one bay I keep the Ranger in. And uh, so I said, let me go. And I mean, I, I can't see underneath there. So I went on YouTube, which, uh, and you guys know that I'm not a big YouTube guy, right? But it's like anything. It's a tool in the toolbox, no pun intended, if you happen to be able to see something. So I found a couple of YouTube, one or two YouTube videos, and the guy's telling you how you take the take the switch off because I, I could understand that at the stage with honestly i if i didn't watch his video i probably would not have been able to figure out how to get it off at that particular point compared you know with my eyesight and not being able to see but ultimately he's supposed to have well according to what he said and that's why i said and no disrespect because the man helped me i mean he helped me unbeknownst to himself but uh he said, this is at the 1998 to 2004, this is the same switch. Well, <laughs> it's not the same switch. So the way his switch went on to the, onto the push rod of the clutch is not the way my switch went on. All right, so I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm cockeyed underneath him. My one eye said, this doesn't look like anything like his switch. 
So I, uh, but he did give me enough information that this. He said there's a clip in the back, and there was a, I was able to feel around, and I got it off without much trouble. And uh, you know those plastic clips when they get hard, they, when they age, they get hard, and they're not that easy to depress. Anyway, I got it off. But what I don't understand, so I said to myself, "All right, fine, I'll jump this switch for now." And you know, I know that's Mickey Mouse. But like my father used to say, it's, you know, you're in the battlefield, right? You got to do what you got to do. Because if I need the truck until I order the switch, and I would order the switch that day, it's not gonna, I'm not going to Mickey Mouse it. So uh, I, would, I said, I'll jump it. I'll take the, the plug off. I'll get the switch off so I have it. And I'll just jump the switch. Either I'll make up a little jumper wire or, or do whatever you got to do to jump it, right? Well, this damn switch, and I don't understand it, right, has six wires going to it. So... I have to, I ordered the switch from Ford. It's supposed to get in a couple of days, 60 something dollars. All right. I don't know really. I got this one off, but I don't understand why it didn't lock into place. I, that is still a mystery. All right. Whether something on the push rod is broken also. And then I went on a, a website for Ford. It, it showed a generic switch which came with. So who, who knows? It's like anything. It's like, a, it's like, uh, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you know what the weather is like Tuesday on Wednesday morning. All right, so uh, it's one of those deals. We had a little, a little old lady from our church, a retired dairy farmer, Betsy Katzenstein. She was just said, she said, Ray, I'll let you know what the weather is like Monday on Tuesday morning. <laughs> After the fact, like the weatherman. So who knows? But I said, well, I'll just jump it because God forbid if I need the vehicle, all right, then I could, it'll start. I mean, all of these, this clutch switch stuff is all from the government, right? The people protecting you, you're protecting me from myself. And yeah, I know to push a clutch in and put it in neutral when I started, when I started a manual transmission. Years ago, we didn't have that. So anyway, there's six wires there. Now, why there's six wires for a clutch interrupt switch, starter interrupt, I have no idea. The only thing that I could figure is that they're probably sending the power from someplace else because it's got that that passive key system so who knows but when i go to the ford dealer to pick up the clutch switch i'm going to go ask my friend kurt or matt there to go on to the ford whatever they don't have any shop manuals anymore they're all online and to print off a wiring schematic for that and then i could keep that i could first of all learn why there's six wires to a clutch interrupt switch which should be two wires power in power out of the switch and uh and i could study that and learn that and then i could also put that in the glove compartment so god forbid something happens whatever i'm in oklahoma with the truck and the switch goes bad and yeah and i have to uh get the vehicle going at least i'll know which two wires to jump with a paper clip or something so that is basically it but everything is so complicated and that's going to get into what i'm going to talk about also and you know, and I'm saying complicated today. That truck is twenty, going to be twenty-one years old. All right, that's simplistic by today's standards, and uh, and it's still complicated. So crazy, crazy world that that we live in. All right, but the other thing I want to talk tech, talk to you about before I get into the topic of today's show, which is going to be diagnosing no boost, low boost with a turbo and uh, gasoline or diesel. So we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Is that and I'm going to, and I'm establishing, I'm saying this to establish credibility, just like a, a, a doctor having his diploma on the wall or an attorney or something like that, or, or you see a police officer, he's wearing the badge. So it's establishing credibility for no other reason, no other reason whatsoever. But from the best that I could glean, Idle Chatter Podcast, my website, Farm Machinery Digest, and then my radio show, Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM, is that there is, I guess I'm saying this humbly, when I say it, there's nothing like it in the world that I am aware of. I'm not, and and where it's educational about farm machinery, about engines, about equipment, the type of education that, that you and I, because you, where I always tell you, we're in this together, whether it's the radio show, the website, or the podcast, all right, that we have together, all right? So I don't know of anything else. I've, I've scoured the, the, the world wide web, um, and we now have listeners in 90 countries. It's up from 83 from about a month or two ago. And based upon what that audience tells me, 
the ones that communicate with me, and everybody doesn't communicate with me. I'm not like, you know, I, I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to lie to you. Go, oh, I got 10 million people communicating with me. No, I have, a, I have a good amount of people communicating. But to tell you the truth, I've never communicated with anybody with a radio show. I mean, so or a TV show. So, so I don't blame them for that. But the statistics show that we have 90 li- country listeners in 90 countries. And on Sirius XM and even or even on terrestrial terrestrial radio meaning not satellite is that there's not a show like mine when i'm saying not a show like mine covering that topic there's better shows than mine but not like mine covering that topic all right so now with that established right and uh to you who are all my listeners so you know that is that you know i went to the farm uh, machinery show in Louisville. I went to Kamadi Classic. I went to a couple of quasi-local shows, of, pretty good shows, I mean, of, of magnitude in Pennsylvania, the Keystone Farm Show. Uh, I was going to go to the New York State Farm Show, but I, oh, I know what happened. They had the mask mandate on yet, and I, don't, I wasn't going to walk around with a mask on. So anyway, but so going to these shows and then introducing myself to people, and they have at these shows they have these and so many companies today they 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 hire out to these marketing agencies or ad agencies i don't even know what they call them anymore because i don't even think they know what they call themselves so so these these companies you go to john Deere, you go to ford you go to someplace else they deal with an agency and i know that that was that was very common in the car industry years ago to create ad content they would work with the manufacturers so so you'd say hey, you have an agency and they would come up with a cadillac ad campaign and, and what have you but now it seems that they third party 99 percent of this even though they have what's called a communications person which i have no idea what the heck that actually means all right because no one communicates with you so the fact of the matter is i go to these shows and and what i'm what i'm working towards is that i want to do on my radio show and i would also do it on idle chatter even though i've never had a guest on the whole history of idle chatter there's never been a guest on idle chatter and and i want to talk to some companies and there's a number of companies out there that are involved and i'm talking about agricultural not automotive agricultural or autonomous farm equipment autonomous tractors autonomous sprayers autonomous fertilized spreaders right and they're all out there ballyhooing this we just basically within the industry we had uh the husker harvest days in nebraska we had the uh, farm progress in uh, iowa a couple of weeks before that you, you look at all the all the stuff the media oh, the, here's look he's a tractor driving in the field and then over at commodity classic and farmers and for the farm machinery show in louisville everybody's talking about these autonomous tractors and how wonderful it is well i've reached out in person at these shows had conversations in person all right with the supposed with with the representatives and then reached out through emails and now the only social media i'm on is linkedin so i got so i put something out on linkedin and i cannot get a person from a mate these are major corporations this is not like you know they joey down the road trying to get build an autonomous tractor all right uh i cannot get anybody to talk to me all right and the reason why i'm sharing that with you is that were you ever a kid and you had your report card and you were ashamed to you, you knew you had to show it to your parents because they had to sign it all right and uh and you were ashamed of the grades you got well if you if, you know if, if you didn't have that well i certainly did because i was a type of kid in school where i got the a for effort and the d for a grade or a c or d for a grade so uh and but there's something really fishy about this that you have all of these companies and they don't want to talk to me ray bohax the hot rod farmer because i told them i want to ask the tough questions and these are not gotcha questions this i'm not looking to go and say ha 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 i got you ha 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 i tripped you up no 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 what i want to know is some simple things i've done a podcast on this a while back but i want to know what they're doing as far as far as rfi emi radio frequency interference electromotive interference i mean what what i want to know the 
what's happening with the electronics because in engineering we call this politics so at farm progress even though it wasn't there they had a uh, i think it was raven industries and the great company they had i think a, a, a autonomous fertilizer spreader going around and you know all of these are big companies but when i come to them and i say to them hey have somebody come on my show and i was going to do it on the radio show and i would do it on the podcast also which i've never done before it's crickets crickets i got more crickets in the basement here in my office nothing nobody gets back to me nobody wants to talk to me at the shows they run away from me so all they want to do is talk to this talk about this autonomy and show look 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 at a tractor going in the field by itself wow look at this isn't this fantastic well it's not fantastic uh, there's no look they had autonomous uh, autonomous drones in world war ii right so with tubes and everything vacuum tubes for electronics so the idea of saying that you could make autonomy is that that that's well established i'm not i'm not i'm not uh, uh, challenging that whatsoever but i have a lot of concerns that i want to bring to my community to the to my audience and i have i have these concerns and i'm not looking for, for your secrets i'm looking but nobody will get back to me i'm like the uh i'm i'm toxic to this industry as far as when you want to talk about autonomy oh, you never hear back from them. they hang up on you they walk away from you to show and and as i said in the beginning i have a huge audience and i'm saying that humbly it's not like you said well you got some guy over here in the basement and he's got three people listening to him or his, his, his brother-in-law listens to him all right and that's basically it so it was you know it was just like with ram trucks ram will not give me a, a ram truck to road test they will not give me they'll give it to everybody under the sun they'll give it to some guy who who lives in downtown los angeles who's who, who who's going to use it to go get a latte but they will not give it to me and i'm well convinced it's because their suspension on a half ton pickup truck can't take the load that i'm going to put into my fertilizer where my ranger and a little front wheel drive maverick could take it because there's no other reason why would you have a press fleet and not give someone in the agricultural community a pickup truck to road test with everybody else wants to give it to me and i don't even want it all right and the same thing is with this autonomy so there's something going on there and all they want to do is show it to the people that are going to be wow ooh, ooh, ah, ah. you know in, in essence the analogy i make before i move on i've wasted too much time on it but you know i have the reason why i'm sharing it with you is because i'm not insulted all right i'm not insulted that nobody wants to talk to me about autonomy or a ram truck right i'm not insulted whatsoever i honestly could care less but my mission statement is to bring education to you and we and we have you you know with this show there's a very eclectic audience we got people farming 30 40 50,000 acres and we got guys farming five acres we got people in all aspects of agriculture cattle ranching forestry whatever and and i have the questions that i want to ask i want to ask what's going to happen with this what is the default strategy i want to ask what are you doing with your electronics and i've spoken about this many times on the show there's all just just like there's different levels of corn seed there's different levels of tires of engine there's different levels of electronics and nobody's telling me oh no we're building this to military specs we're building this to avionics specs we're building it to biomedical equipment specs nobody wants to tell when i ask them something they run away all right so i'm not denying that i could see the tractor running in the field by itself i mean that's not that's no big deal i mean i mean i'm not saying that i could accomplish that but what i'm i'm the point is that for you my audience and then also nobody's talking about the cost of this autonomous equipment and nobody's talking about the insurance liability so you're a farmer all right what is the i want to get somebody from an insurance company on there and talk about okay what's going to happen i got this autonomous sprayer got this autonomous tractor how is it going to be insured against liability that this thing takes off and goes across the highway and hits a school bus full of kids all right so i mean there's a lot of questions there and they're not gotcha questions they're common sense questions that i and if they would come on my show and i would be their biggest 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 fan for this i mean for the technology 
But I really have to look at this technology and say there's something not right about this because you would be bragging. You know, when I built an, when I built an engine, if I told a customer, look, this thing is going to make 1420 on the dyno, 1440 on the dyno, I'd say, come on, let's go to the dyno. You go to the dyno with me, all right? I, I'm not nothing to hide. I'm not going to spin the dial and then and change the change the uh, the atmosphere correction factor to give you full so here here's the numbers here is come meet the dyno thing blows up or blows up thing makes 1100 instead of 1400 makes, makes 1800 makes 1800 come with me i got nothing to hide all right so i don't know so i'll keep you tuned with this and see what happens <clears throat> with this autonomy but there's definitely something something going on that no one wants to talk to this guy from cat swamp road and uh, you should see him run away from me you think i was the devil i'm just gonna put the dragster on and clear my throat and get a drink here <coughs> all right i'm back thank you so all right and if you have any thoughts on that on on the on autonomy you know because it, what they're doing with this i said i'm going to end it but i just got to say one more thing you if you bring the if you if you show somebody a video or take them to a machine shop that has cnc equipment which is computerized numerical control versus nc which just meant that it had digital controls so if you were to if you were to move the the uh the platform or the tool or whatever lathe mill what have you it would show you digitally instead of having to measure it or read a scale but so if you show somebody a cnc machine boy that thing is impressive my friend i've been cnc shops my friend bobby has a couple of cncs and you know it changes the tools it does this blah 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 and you write the program for it and what have you and if you write the program wrong or something happens at cnc machine it gets an electrical surge or gets some emi or something happens and, and it crashes the tool you could have a piece you could have a piece that's worth a hundred thousand dollars if you're doing prototype machining and that sucker crashes the tool into it and it's junk it's going to the junk man all right but anyway so to show that to somebody who knows absolutely nothing and i'm saying it respectfully it could be a knowledgeable doctor or it could be a knowledgeable truck driver whatever but they've never been exposed to that they're in awe of it oh my god look at this it's changing the tools it's doing this it's flipping it around it's doing it's drilling and tapping at the same time i mean amazing all right you go go on go on, on the internet you can watch videos of this absolutely amazing all right but what that's what they're doing with this autonomous farm equipment they're showing you like the scenes look at this look i could do this you're going to field by yourself you could be drinking your coffee it's planting your corn it's doing this it's spraying it's doing what have you so the uh, in engineering as i said we call it politics and that's what they're showing people the politics so we need to get beyond the politics all right and just like you need to get beyond uh, when you don't buy a cnc machine and there's all of a sudden that you, you spend three four hundred thousand they drop it drop it on they drop it on the floor of your shop and you press a button and you're automatically making parts <laughs> a long way from that right so the thing is that so we'll see but if you have any thoughts on that or if anybody from any one of those companies are listening reach out to me all right let's have a man-to-man or a man-to-woman whatever it may be conversation i'll tell you the, the questions that i have and then i will put you on the radio show and i will put you on the podcast so it'll be the first time we have a guest on the idle chatter podcast but i need answers for you my audience all right so now let's go beyond that and let's talk about turbocharged engines <clears throat> no boost or low boost conditions you know and years back and not that many years ago a turbocharger was the domain of a diesel engine when the diesels first came out on the farm they were naturally aspirated and uh which basically is just a pressure differential and they put turbochargers on them and then over the years there was some buick came out with the grand national with turbocharged chrysler had some turbocharged four cylinders uh gm actually had a three not a 3.8 buick a 3.8 chevy which was confusing to the public because it was one was a buick engine one was a chevy engine it was a 229 versus a 231 but they called it a 3.8 because it's once you do the math it works out very very close excuse me and uh and they had that in the el camino el camino i mean monte carlo 
back when they downsized them in 1978 for a year or so and it never really worked out so i mean back years ago gm had the corvair with a with a turbocharged engine so so but the turbocharged engines and gasoline applications were the domain of some sort of performance type of engine and chrysler with even with the 2.2 they had they you know they had that as an option as a higher output option and, and didn't necessarily need to be in a performance car in the chrysler sense but it was it was something it was the higher output engine but so whereas the the turbocharger on the diesel engine was utilitarian so you you had a, a cat a c13 cat or whatever you had a detroit diesel in a, in a semi or a dump truck or what have you or you had a uh, farm tractor or massey ferguson combine and it had a turbocharged engine turbocharged diesel so the turbocharged diesel side of it was usually utilitarian and then they came out with the turbocharged diesel pickup trucks and the turbocharged gas engines were more of the performance performance application but then over the past number of years with what they call the downsizing of engines is that um that almost any gasoline well probably the majority of gasoline engines not all of them that are produced today uh have have a turbocharger version of it and what they're doing is they're downsizing the engines like you look at a ford escape the base engine is a three-cylinder 1.5 liter with a turbocharger i mean really <clears throat> no disrespect to ford but do i really want a three-cylinder engine so so who knows but you know that will probably be my next vehicle because there's nothing else out there that i that i that fits my 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 checklist so i'll have to just bite the bullet and have it, it it's i'll tell you it's really hard to get no matter how how much of an engine guy you are car guy machinery guy it's really hard to get passionate about a three-cylinder engine in a, in, a, in a vehicle you're going to drive every day so whatever but the change in the world and nobody's asking me so so what what is the reason why i'm segueing it this way is that there's a very good possibility that you have within your fleet on your farm or within your family that you have a turbocharged gasoline engines and turbocharged diesel engines all of the pickup trucks today that are diesel are turbocharged and now chrysler is coming out i think they're calling it the hurricane which is a new gasoline engine it's a six cylinder in line with twin turbos each turbo feeds three cylinders and uh, they're claiming that the high output version is going to be 500 at least 500 horsepower so these are these are stout pieces but just like the cnc machine hey it makes beautiful parts until it crashes right they could you know there's always could be a problem with the turbocharger and where the turbocharger would show its problem is either low boost or a lack of boost so and if you have no boost or a lack of boost then the obviously the engine is going to be way way down on power fuel consumption is going to be up and it's not going to be a happy happy camper so it would be akin to like having a cell phone with no cellular cellular tower and it's useless right so most of these engines without the turbocharger functioning properly almost be yeah they'll start and run and they'll get you to the god forbid to the hospital but not in a hurry right so but now because we're dealing with boost pressure and it is elusive all right you can't really see it that there's a it often gets to be a, a something that's hard to diagnose but also it what i have found is that unless you have a, a and i use the word catastrophic failure and it's really not catastrophic an acute failure is that usually the low boost condition starts to sneak up on you like gray hair or like weeds in the field where you go away and then you know there's no weeds you come back a week later all of a sudden you know you got uh, a flush of uh, fall panicum or thistles or whatever barnyard grass or johnson grass with the 10 zillion other weeds that can migrate into your field and he said geez they weren't there three days ago and that's usually what happens with a turbocharger is that you start the gasoline or diesel that you start to degrade the power on the engine and then all of a sudden it gets to the point where it becomes very glaring and you say wow i have a problem so what i'm going to do is go through a couple of things that you need to be able to uh 
hopefully steer in the proper direction. Now, the first thing is that, sadly, and uh, most of the road vehicles today uh, do not have a boost cage in them. Some of them do, some of them don't, but I would say majority of them are like these Ford EcoBoost engines. Most of them, they so they don't come with a boost cage. And one of the reasons they don't come with a boost cage is that the car companies, not just Ford, but they've come and they've they start they've started to years ago the turbocharger was looked at as an add-on and even with early on in the diesel the diesel the diesel engines is that you could have got a whatever the a, uh, let's say a cat i'm making this up this is not correct let's say a 3406 that was non-turbocharged and a 3406 that was turbocharged i I mean, I don't think that was the particular case with a 3406, but what have you. So they offered turbo and non-turbo versions of it. And then what had happened was that in the eyes of many people, that the turbocharger specifically on on passenger vehicles, gasoline engines, was looked as, a, as, as an add-on. And then the mindset within the engineering community changed and they looked at the started to look at the turbocharger as a core component as you would a crankshaft so when they do their durability testing they do their longevity testing is that they the turbocharger has to last it's not considered a, an add-on uh, a, a bells and whistle add-on so if you say well the crankshaft's got to last at least a half a million miles where well, they say that they'll have a protocol for the turbocharger not saying it's going to last forever but but it, it, it's, it's considered a core component an integral part of the engine whereas years ago it was not it was considered like a bolt-on like you bought it from jc whitney or something and put it on there and because of that what had happened was that the turbochargers did not have the life cycle of the rest of the engine and in, in lots of ways that gave the technology a black eye so uh so they look at it now with these gasoline engines whether it's a ford eco boost gm has i forgot what they call theirs they have a 2.7 liter four cylinder turbocharger in a silverado which i would love to get one to road test all right and load that load that sucker up with some weight and see how it goes based upon the math of what the numbers say it should go fine but you know you you may have a, a turbocharged four-cylinder and a full-size pickup truck on your farm right now so that became mainstream and it needs to last the life of the vehicle but what has happened is that in most applications because it's looking because it is meant to be a core component is that they a lot of these companies have made the marketing decision that they are not going to have a factory boost gauge and if they have a factory boost gauge it has no numbers on it, just a needle moves all right and you don't know what, what the boost level is so the thing is that what i would say to you and it, this would be gasoline or diesel is that i would invest in a boost gauge and there's a lot of you go to any like summit racing jegs anybody else all right that sells hot rod parts and you could buy a mechanical boost gauge very inexpensively and in relative terms i mean it used to be about 30 40 bucks probably 50 or 60 dollars and i'm saying to use it as a tool i'm not saying to permanently install it if you want to permanently install it that's fine so i'm not saying take your brand new 2023 right if they're out yet chevy silverado pickup truck with a 2.7 and even if it has a boost gauge and the dashboard with no numbers on it and then and then install this all right so it looks like an old sun tack on a hot rod back in the 60s and 70s no but you could install it temporarily and all you need to do to hook up a boost gauge is to tee into a some sort of vacuum line they say hey hot rod diesel doesn't have vacuum all right well it really doesn't have vacuum in the sense of a gas engine because it's unthrottled but any type of hose that's going to see boost pressure all right is going to you could tee that in temporarily and what you could do is you could take that with a with a long with a long line on it a long either plastic line or rubber line and you could take it and you could either bring it in the vehicle through the window the passenger window and hold it in your hand or if it's a farm tractor or a piece of farm equipment doesn't have a boost gauge you could do the same thing and you want to when it's running properly you want to get an idea of what the boost level is all right so whether there's you know does this engine run 30 pounds of boost does it run 20 pounds of boost and you want to get a feel for what the boost is and then 
you could either depending upon how much how many how many turbocharged engines you have in your fleet you could either write that down say okay the the, the, the john deere combine whatever the number is s680 runs you know 30 pounds of boost more or less you know and when, when i'm harvesting 20 whatever it is and my my and my pickup truck runs this my whatever runs this and you write this down so you have it all right so that's basically a special then you take the boost gauge out and you put it in a toolbox all right so i used to use a boost gauge like that all the time i had a uh an auto meter i think it was a boost gauge and you put it in your toolbox and this way if you have a problem we have a you have a record of what the boost is and and you and you want to pay attention to it because sometimes what you'll do is you'll have an engine You'll have a turbocharged application and repeating gasoline or diesel, and it'll be slow to build boost. So it may end up getting to the peak number, but you say, and that's where you really have to know your equipment. So this thing, you know, whatever, if I put this combine in and I start to engage the header and I get into some crop, whatever the crop may be, you know, she usually jumps right up to 20 pounds of boost. I'm making up numbers. Or if I pull this hill with my pickup truck, it's usually 25 pounds of boost or 15 pounds of boost all right so you need to have some sort of metric some sort of qualifier for it because what will happen often is that you could get a turbocharger due to a number of reasons that is that is very slow to build boost when it starts to have a problem and just like my my clutch switch right where i kick the can down the road and the day i need to go get my cover crop seed it doesn't want to never 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 did it never did i never get it to not start the cranker right up until that day so you want to get some idea of what it does and you have that in the back of your mind so the thing is that because a low boost condition or a slow to build boost condition could not will not only affect the performance of the engine whatever it's in so you're in a combine you go in there and you're trying to yeah you get the good lord bless you you got 500 bushels per acre corn you got 200 bushels soybeans right from my mouth to god's ear especially this year and the thing is that and you're really loading that thing and you don't say oh man look at this you know and the thing seems to be laying back it doesn't seem to be you know be, be pulling that crop in the way it should and then so it's something to keep in the back of your mind now with uh, now if it has no boost that's like a flat tire all right you got a completely flat tire that's okay fine let's pump some air in let's get some soap solutions oh look there's the nail in the tire that's a lot easier to diagnose than than the slow boost or low boost so you may have boost built so the scenarios are that everything runs perfectly all right it is what it's supposed to be the second scenario is is that it is slow to build boost but eventually gets there all right the third scenario is that it's low boost and the fourth scenario is that there's no boost all right and when i say no boost instead of having maybe has one or two pounds three pounds of boost so so we now have this boost gauge and we could diagnose this now the good thing about it is that you don't have to go paranoid with this is because if you're operating the piece of equipment or driving the vehicle it's going to kind of tell you that it's something is wrong all right so this thing doesn't feel like it used to all right so it's then that's when you get the boost gauge out and start to see what to see what's going on now as far as a slow to build boost condition there is a number of things that come into play and i'm just going to go over them very basic quickly here because it's you know the application specific meaning to that particular you know that turbocharger that engine but these are generic just like you know if you if you have your if you your crop turning yellow your corn turn yellow, usually it's a nitrogen deficiency usually i mean but you need to do a, a, a tissue test to see what's going on right but the fact of the matter is that usually all right that's what the symptoms are so when you have a slow to build boost slash low boost condition one of the most common things is that you have a leak in the system and you have to remember that the turbocharger is going to have it's a basically a fan that's why i call it a blower it's blowing it's blowing into the cylinders it's blowing air into the cylinders or i should say yeah air oxygen and 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 everything else that's in it all right and if you have a leak in the system you have hose clamps that have come loose you have hoses that have become porous rubber connection hoses it's very very common for you to have for you to find a leak in an intercooler because the intercooler usually gets road debris on it or field debris on it and you could have a pinhole in the intercooler or you could have a crack in the intercooler and the core starts to leak so what basically happens is that the boost the so whereas let's say and i'm making up numbers 
let's say maximum speed of the turbine and the compressor so it's on one shaft so the tur- so there's what there's two wheels the hot side and the cold side the hot side is called the turbine and the cold side is called the compressor so let's say is there because it's compressing the air so let's say that at this flow exhaust flow coming out of the port that we should get 50,000 rpm and 50,000 rpm on the on the on the shaft will equate to 10 pounds of boost it's totally arbitrary numbers i'm pulling out of the air over here all right so the thing is that if you have a leak after the compressor wheel so at 50,000 at 50,000 rpm at the same exhaust flow you're not building 10 pounds you're building five pounds because why you have a leak like a tire with a leak so it's very very common and the best way for you to check that is with a smoke tester and i've done a show on this before a couple years back is that there's if you really need to get a smoke tester for your shop and a smoke tester makes a non-toxic and non-flammable to smoke it uses shop air to push it through they go from 150 dollars to three thousand dollars you don't need a three thousand dollar one it's just going to make more of a volume of smoke but you really need to smoke test these engines and you could smoke test your sprayer i mean that i'm not the engine on your spray your tubes on your spray your lines on your sprayer you'd be surprised what you could smoke test and find leaks and you really need to do it because you unless you pop the hole in and half the time you can't even see the intercooler all right but if you unless you have you know a, a hole a rock went through it and you see all the damage you're not going to find these cumulative leaks that are going to give you a low boost slow to build boost condition all right now the other thing keep in mind is that any exhaust leak that we're talking about inside in i mean intake here as far as the compressor but an exhaust leak if you're leaking exhaust oh i got a little bit of exhaust leak that makes no difference well instead of that exhaust going and working against the turbine wheel and spinning it the right to spin the compressor because they're on the same shaft that's going out the atmosphere so then again it's like having a garden hose with a leak yeah you're getting some water out of the spigot but a good majority of the water is coming out prior to getting to the nozzle all right and the same thing is going to happen now if you have some slow exhaust slows some smaller exhaust leaks eventually the turbocharger may be able to overcome that and build boost but and build boost to almost a proper level but usually you will see a slight degradation so if it always ran 30 pounds maybe it only run 28 but it's going to take longer to get there so when it takes longer to get there the engine is going to be lazier because it's not going to have that assist as soon as it can and, it, and when they when they design this stuff it's a function because it's the exhaust gas comes with well, gasoline or diesel comes out of the zone that it's isentropic expansion means it expands without thermal change so that isentropic expansion is what actually expands and and spins the turbine wheel for it in turn to spin the compressor wheel and build boost so if you have any exhaust leaks that is going to it's going to bring a level of inefficiency is probably the most intelligent way for me to say say that's uh to that turbocharged engine the other thing basically is if you that if you have a wastegate that is not sealing properly so if you have a wastegate that's not sealing properly it's like a faucet that's leaking all right you close it but the washer is bad now you have to remember a wastegate controls the boost and most modern engines use a wastegate an internal wastegate meaning it's inside the turbocharger the, the turbine housing and then it uses a solenoid to control it and what the solenoid controls is not electrically it's not controlling <clears throat> moving the wastegate what the solenoid is doing is control it's 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 um controlling the boost pressure that the wastegate spring the actuator sees so it's kind of tricking it and that it'll allow it to build <clears throat> boost quicker so if that wastegate has a lot of carbon on it or lots of times let's say you have a piece of equipment like a farm sprayer or an irrigation pump that doesn't run all the time all right is that you may have that wastegate where actually that actuator or the wastegate pivot point usually it's just a pivot point in there with a bushing all right i know a lot of engines have started to come out where the actual 
the shaft through their sticks, I shouldn't say sticks, the shaft through their wares and becomes oblong, becomes elongated in the bushing or in the housing, depending on how whether they have a bushing in there to just drill a hole with it and put in there cheapo, right? And the thing is that, so now what happens is that the wastegate doesn't close, right doesn't close and so it's leaking so it's not allowing the 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 exhaust to work against it so it's like a grist mill like a water wheel that's exactly how it works but if you're bypassing it so when it reaches a certain boost level it's supposed to bypass the exhaust gas and keep it at that at that particular level so conversely you could have something that's going to overboost because the wastegate is stuck or frozen excuse me and like i say you know a, a, a irrigation engine that sits out in the weather or even though you may have a shed over it or something sits out in the weather is not used much right a combine a sprayer or what have you but this could happen to anything right specifically equipment that's not shedded and sees a lot of dampness all right so the thing is that so that's something to keep in mind the wastegate could be stuck open the wastegate could be stuck closed oval boost is stuck closed no boost or low boost is stuck open all right now also what will happen is because a turbocharger on a gasoline or diesel engine as i said is is based upon the expansion of that the isentropic expansion of the exhaust gas coming out of the cylinder head the exhaust port of the cylinder head now so ignition timing both gasoline and diesel all right we think of ignition timing just on gasoline but gasoline and diesel ignition timing air fuel ratio all right anything that's going to affect the timing or i shouldn't say the timing the exhaust heat the btu content the amount of temperature that is coming out of the exhaust port is going to impact how that turbocharger functions so the thing is that you know if you have a problem inside the engine let's say you have a a dead cylinder you have a real lean cylinder a real rich cylinder or or what have you or the ignition timing is off and the injection pump timing is off it the canary in the coal mine often will be the turbocharger will it work yes will it spin yes but it's probably going to be low on boost or lazy to what we would call spool up all right another thing that comes into play is that you have to be concerned with a restricted exhaust so if you have a restricted exhaust what will usually happen is that it may actually build boost very soon but the engine makes no power and the reason why it's building boost sooner than it should but then ramps off all right is that and usually you hear a whistle is because the exhaust cannot get out and it's backing up and it's getting it's becoming superheated there so it's expanding but in essence it would be like saying that you have a a, a sewer pipe from the house right if the sewer pipe if the if the let's say if the drain in the kitchen sink is plugged and you put water in the sink it doesn't go down right if it's plugged out by the septic it has to fill up that whole pipe and then all of a sudden it comes out of the sink or comes out of the toilet whichever is the first one for it to see in the lowest right so the same thing is happening if you have a restricted exhaust what will happen is that the turbocharger will spin but it'll be ineffective and you can actually lots of times hear it whistling all right so that comes into play now another thing that comes into play and this is very common with the performance applications but also with a non-performance application a, a utilitarian engine on a on a road vehicle or a piece of farm equipment is that the cylinder seal so if you if the ring seal is going away and you have very poor ring seal yes you're going to have heat but it'll eventually build boost but it's going to be very slow to build boost and it's going to be and the the usually the maximum boost level is going to be lower than a specification that really goes back to you being able to check it so if you have a shop manual that tells you what it's supposed to be that god bless you that's wonderful if you don't get your gauge hook it up and see what's going on but even if you do have a shop manual that tells you what's supposed to be and you have a dashboard gauge that it has some numbers on it all right and then you may when you have a problem you would want to confirm with your with your toolbox gauge all right 
that the dashboard gauge is reading correctly because lots of times the dashboard gauge gauges over the years will skew and lots of times become the heating the cooling cycles the thermal cycles the dampness right but you want to be able to to identify what is going on with that so it would be no different than taking a soil test and a tissue test on a plant right we know we have this much nutrients in the soil <clears throat> what are we getting in the plant is it getting tied up what have you and you know the, the way you would diagnose something in the field on the in the crop is the same way you would diagnose something under the hood or vice versa so the thing is that but the whole idea is if you don't have any numbers if you don't have anything if you don't know what it's supposed to look like what it's supposed to feel like what it's supposed to respond like then you're just well maybe this thing is a dog maybe that's the way it runs and as i get ready to close today is that and i've told you this story before and many of you have heard it when i worked for the sub company allen test products oscilloscope and emission analyzer company and i would do a demonstration i was a young man when the salesman would set up a demonstration i'd come into the shop everybody wanted you to put it on a problem car and a, and what what qualified as a problem car was one that they couldn't fix right if they could fix it it wasn't a problem right so it had some sort of drivability problem some sort of issues isn't that just i'm not saying turbocharged right and i used to tell people that i'll do the problem card it's no problem that I'm, I'm not afraid you know getting back to my original point with the autonomous equipment why are you so afraid to talk to me i used to tell them i'm not afraid of any problem engine you could give that you could give me i'm not being cocky but i'm being confident i'm being confident in the, the ability that the good lord has given me to diagnose and understand how an engine works but i'm not going to show you the scope first on a problem vehicle because if you don't know what looks good you'll never know what looks right um, what, what looks bad and lots of times with an oscilloscope you could be you could take an oscilloscope and you and anybody who is an electronics guy scope guy <clears throat> if you're a scope guy whether it's on an ignition system or on a on, on a on a whatever on a uh the, the computer any type of electronics if you're really a good scope man then you could really identify a lot what's going on but the fact of the matter is is that as far as me teach back years ago teaching someone in an auto repair shop they didn't need to be a good scope guy to that level that'd be wonderful if they eventually got to that you're not going to get there overnight all right but you need to identify oh it's got a bad spark plug wire in cylinder two. Oh, it's got a foul spark plug in cylinder three. Oh, it looks like it's got a wide gap on cylinder four all right so the thing basically is, is that you need to identify to get you to get you in the proper direction and then over time you could build that but if you don't know <clears throat> if you don't know what looks right you'll never know what looks wrong and so i used to tell people let's do and same thing with when i would train them if they invested in let's learn what an ignition system let's learn how to use the piece of equipment let's learn all of this and then we'll go i'll be more than happy to help you with that problem car more than happy love it right so the thing is that what gets back to this what i was saying is that you know and then with the autonomy right i have to give that one more zing is that if if this stuff is so great and you're not afraid of it and there's nothing and there's 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 no there's there's no mysteries or things that you don't want to talk about hiding in the closet all right then why don't you want to talk to me well the same thing basically is that you know if you don't know what the boost level is supposed to look like if you don't know if, if you don't know what how it's supposed to feel if you don't have anything tactile so oh, this tractor i usually put it in this gear i could pull this plow like this or pull this this cultivator or this, this cedar and i i know how she pulls this hill in the field all right if you don't have that and then and then also marry that to an actual hard quantifiable number oh man this thing builds 30 pounds of boost over here all right well this is what 30 pounds of boost feels like because now you say to yourself well the thing is telling me 30 pounds of boost but that thing is a dog it don't want to pull its planter right well then then you would look at it and say you probably have an exhaust restriction all right so or maybe injection pump timing is way off or something so i mean it's 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 like any diagnostics and people don't realize is that you know when you go to a doctor you take an animal to a vet or what have you is that diagnosing is often more finding out what is correct and then not what is wrong 
So the thing is that in, in the medical community, and if I have a veterinarians or doctors listen to me, as I understand, it's called a differential diagnosis. We're going through the symptoms and saying, okay, what this, what's this, what's this? Okay, this symptom has this. He, the, the person doesn't have that cross that off. The animal doesn't have that. So the thing is that so once you go find out what is what is correct, then now it narrows everything down to what is to where to look for it's not correct and it brings clarity to the diagnosis so if you don't know how the engine feels with the turbocharger if you don't know what the boost level is you know absolutely nothing all right it's going to be very very hard to diagnose it and diagnose it accurately and then also to be able to tell that this is starting to be a problem before it becomes a major problem both financially and for your operation i had some i don't know where i I'd seen this someplace on the internet a couple, uh, it wasn't that long ago, I don't know, I, I don't honestly remember where I saw it, maybe on one of those forums, I don't, I really don't go on those, and the guy claims that the tractor was stuck in the field because the turbocharger went bad, well, I mean, I may be missing something based upon that statement whatsoever, I can understand how it's stuck in the field because the turbocharger went bad, all right, so the thing is that, uh, there could be other things that have happened, but I don't, all he did say, my tractor is stuck in the field because the turbocharger went bad and I can't get one because of COVID, so I have to leave the tractor in the field and I have to, I can't plant my crop. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't have enough data there. All right, I don't have enough data. But worst case scenario, if you took the opened up the exhaust port, even if you'd opened up the exhaust and said, well, geez, this thing doesn't want to spin or what have you, it's making a lot of noise, and then you'd be able to get the track. I, I don't think I would plant my field with it that way, but you could get the tractor back to the farm, all right, unless it's 100 miles away. So who knows? But that is what I want you to understand is that diagnosing, but you have to have data, and the turbocharger is a lot like electricity is it you don't see electricity going through the wire you don't see the you feel the you feel it if you grab the wire and get a shock you feel the boost pressure making the engine more powerful you feel the work that it does but you don't see it actually working and that makes it very hard and that's why it's so important for you to become familiar with it have some sort of data and then we could go from there and then diagnose it so if you have any questions or any concerns, please reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I want you to know that this guy from Cat Swamp Road, the Hot Rod Farmer's poem for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved America. You have a blessed day, and God willing, I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>